I'm Chris Farrell from the All Things Good and Nerdy podcast, a wacky weekend morning show, part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out right now. Shows on the network are individually owned and the opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other awesome geeky shows over at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. Hello, everybody. We're here for the Christmas episode. It's Christmas. We'll get things started here in a moment. Kick it all off. But we're finally here. Finally did it. The final episode of 2020. What a year it's been, though. Crazy. I didn't think we were going to get here. Uh, you know, like Elon Musk with the SN8 thing, he said less than one in three chance that it would succeed. I figured that we would have less of that chance of getting to the end of 2020. So crazy. Things were thrown out the window. What a year. Tech industry basically had to put a whole bunch of things on hold. So crazy. Yeah, but it hasn't been all bad this year. I mean, think about it. We got the Mandalorian just like, what, seven weeks ago. That's been friggin' sweet. I've enjoyed that, but Chris, I didn't get my new sixth generation Apple TV. You're right, Chris. Has been a fantastic season of the Mandalorian. I loved all the reveals that came so, so good. So good. Plus, if you think about the year, lots of tech advancements, lots of companies were forced to evolve and embrace modern technology. I'll give you an example right here. Little Canadian example for you. If you think about the home ship business back before, uh, I'll say March timeline, it was hard for me to get some groceries from Amazon, but I embraced the prime delivery as Amazon increased what they were holding and shipping. And so I get a lot of my packaged goods now through Amazon Prime. It's great. I just go, I put the order in, and next thing you know, I got a flat of crackers. I've had some things delivered myself, some cereals, some soups, some packaged goods, like you said, but I didn't get my sixth generation Apple TV. I mean, we got to look at it this way. In the big picture, there was a bunch of stuff scheduled for 2020, a bunch of stuff we weren't sure if we were going to get, but most of it we got. It was just, just a little late. And yet... I was told I was getting a new sixth generation Apple TV, and I did not get a new sixth generation Apple TV in 2020. Chris, I can't help but shake the feeling that something might be bothering SP a little bit here. Yeah, I'm, I'm starting to catch on to that, too. Something might be bugging him just a little bit. SP, buddy, what's the matter? As I said, I didn't get my Apple TV, my new Apple TV. As you know, I've been waiting on a new Apple TV for a long time, years. And back in May, infamous Apple leaker John Prosser told me there was one ready to ship. And yet, here we are, December 2020, no sixth generation Apple TV. So here I am, the one thing in 2020 that I wanted and I didn't get. What a complete and utter disappointment. I can see that. I can see how that would be a bummer. But here's what I'm going to do for you today. It's Christmas time. We're festive. I'm going to give you a little insight to the patented Canadian spin. That's right. I'm going to put a positive spin on this news here. Look at it this way. You have been let down by John Prosser, right? But it's the oh. end of the year. It's getting to the end of the year, and we can use that as a bit of a reset SP. We can put that behind you and do 
like the great says, the great T-Swift, we can shake it off, shake it off and put Prosser behind you. Don't need to think about him anymore. You know what, Steven? That is a great approach. The Rock, big fan of T-Swift. He sang Shake It Off, lip synced it, did it in one of his TV shows. I like The Rock. I like T-Swift. I think it's a great approach. And you know what? I think we've all been pretty good this year. So I bet you, I bet that Christmas morning, Santa's going to treat us right. I hope so. Christmas morning, 2020. That is awesome. You're going to have so much fun with that, bud. Steven, Santa left this for you. For me? Oh, this is different. Hmm. I wonder if he gives money now. Oh, not money. Dear Steven, I've seen your podcast. Go downstairs, Santa. all my podcast equipment what's this open me loser Steven as I said I've seen your podcast as we both know you secured yourself on the naughty list a long time ago with that podcast not only do you deserve to be on the naughty list because you're a terrible podcaster yeah that's an understatement but most important, I think you should know that I'm an Apple user. Whilst I'd usually... Whilst? Whilst I'd usually just have left you coal, here's the bottom line. It's 2020, and with the year we've had, that gives me a pass to do whatever I want. So I've stolen all of your podcast equipment instead. Sincerely, Santa. P.S. Windows sucks. P.P.S. Why did you have to lick all of your equipment? Do you know how hard it is to find disinfectant right now? Santa! Oh no, I wonder if he got Chris and SP as well. I should call him. Christmas. Yeah, he, he got me too. Wait, he got all three of us? Mm-hmm. Apparently. Let me guess, he left behind a wonderful, colorful note. Oh, very colorful. Santa has a way with the written word. What reason did he give you? Well, apparently uh, one Santa Claus does not agree with my assessment on JJ's Rise of Skywalker. How can you defend that? It's trash. Well, get this. It's not only the Rise of Skywalker. Santa really loves the CW Arrowverse. <laughs> really? But that's also trash. Right? Uh, so, guys, what are we going to do now? What are we going to do with the Gunna Geek show? None of us have any of our podcasting gear anymore, thanks to Santa. I guess we could turn it over to Suncast, give him the reins for a while. Hmm. Works for me. You know what? I could use some time off anyway. 
Two weeks later. Now this isn't working. I might as well watch Suncast's new Gunna Geek show. All right, tablet. Hello and welcome to an all new episode of the Gunna Geek show. I'm Suncast. Steven, Chris, and SP are going to be away for a while for reasons we won't disclose at this time. But they've left the show to me. That's right. I'm in charge. So I'm going to assemble a team of replacements, some better replacements for this show, while they're away. Well, it's official. He's better than me. I'm pleased to introduce that filling in for Chris Farrell is Tom Merritt. Very nice. And in for Stargate Pioneer is John Prosser. Prosser! This is the official GunnaGeek.com show. Each week, we run down the latest news and happenings in the world of geek. These are your hosts for the show, Steven, Chris, and SP. Welcome to a festive edition of the official GunnaGeek.com show. I am Steven John Drew, and of course with me is the full crew, Chris Farrell. I'm super festive tonight. And I'm pleased to say he's here, a little mad about his Apple TV, SB's here. Yeah, a little mad Apple TV processor, but I got Yoda here. Um, it's not a baby Yoda, it's not a Grogu, but it, it's a Yoda, and it's, Yoda's got, you know, the, the Mickey Mouse lighted Star Wars ears on. So, you know, he's being as festive as he can be in Star Wars. Oh, I can't believe actually, I, you know, I know we said this at the beginning as part of the setup to the joke, but hey, I can't believe we're actually here. I'm Months ago, I said, I didn't think we were going to make it, but we did. We did make it to the end of the year. Yes, if you're checking this out live or if you like to check out our show live, we are not recording a new episode until the 4th of January, 2021. So come back for our live next episode on January 4th. Uh, 2021, usual time, 8.45 p.m. Eastern. But you could also come and chat with us over the holidays as well, because let's be honest, none of us are going anywhere. Come to our Discord at gunnageek.com slash Discord. We would love to have you over there. And if you have not ever checked out the video side of things, we do have a full video companion to this show available on our YouTube or at gunnageek.com. And I'll also right here say a special shout out to Suncast for getting in on that little... Christmas holiday gag. We took a year off of the Christmas gag last year and we have brought it back this year. And thanks to you guys for participating. It was a lot of fun. And uh, I just might add, you know, Tom Merritt, John Prosser, if you actually want to come on the show sometime, we'd love to have you. But uh, thanks you for letting us use your name in the jokes. So that that was pretty cool. Yeah, letting, letting us. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't ask, but yeah. <laughs> So please send your takedown notice to js at gunnageek.com, the same place the hate mail goes. They're infamous now. I think you can use names. I think you're allowed to. Uh, if you want to also check out other great geeky content, you should do that. The Gunna Geek Network has a lot of geeky stuff. I usually say that at the end, but I want to, at the beginning of the, uh, the beginning here of our final episode of 2020, just acknowledge the whole Gunna Geek Network. I know there's been a lot of ups and downs through everybody's lives and... Some of the network members truthfully did fade, some continued on, and so I uh, just wanted to thank everybody, whether you are active podcasting right now or not. 
Uh, thank you for being a part of the Gunna Geek Network. Uh, it's great. We have a lot of really cool people there. And I got to say, some of the people who did fade or aren't podcasting anymore, they're still in our Discord server, and I still chat with them from time to time. So really great people. Thanks, everybody involved with the Gunna Geek Network. And we added some new podcasters this year, too. This is kind of fun, guys, because we've been talking about space a lot of SpaceX this year. Well, don't forget that there is actually a second low Earth orbit to uh, bring humans up their capability in development right now. It is Boeing's CST-100 Starliner. And on December 9th, 2021, just or 2020, excuse me, last week, NASA and Boeing in a joint announcement said that they are eyeing a March 29th, 2021 flight of Boeing's Starliner. Now, the mission dubbed Orbital Flight Test 2, or OFT2, will be Starliner's second attempt to meet up with the International Space Station, or ISS. On the first try in December 2019, Starliner suffered a glitch with its onboard timing system. It got stranded in the wrong orbit, and it came back down to Earth without achieving the planned rendezvous. A post-flight investigation of the OFT-1 revealed several problems with the capsule software, but the Starliner team has been working through those issues and is now formally qualified for the flight and flight software ahead of OFT-2. If OFT-2 is successful, a crewed test flight to the orbiting lab will follow, potentially in the summer of 2021. Starliner would then be clear to begin flying operational crewed missions, that would make CST-100 Starliner the second American operational spacecraft. SpaceX Dragon capsule is currently flying its first operational mission to the ISS, and that launched just last month in November 2020 after two previous demonstration flights. There was an on-crewed flight in March 2019, just like Boeing's on-crewed attempt in December 2019, and one crewed launch earlier in 2020, which was the demo flight that we all watched and covered before. Guys, this is pretty exciting. We're about to have two, not one, but two qualified mechanical systems, rockets, capsules to bring humans into low Earth orbit from America. Now, the Chinese have a capsule. The Russians have an operational capsule, the Soyuz. And but this will be great if Dragon, which is SpaceX's capsule, Starliner and Soyuz would all be docked to the ISS at the same time. I think it would be the first time that there would be three separate systems that can take humans back and forth to the ISS, docked to the ISS at the same time. This is crazy when you think about how just a few years ago, there was like one, one, right. way, one way up to the ISS. And it was the Soyuz because the yeah. space shuttle has been retired for basically 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. It, well, I guess aside from Suncast and his yeah, I was gonna his say NASA, NASA has yeah. their has their ways. <laughs> Suncast won't tell us all of them, but no, he has no his comment. Ways. No. no, this is awesome, and um, I just have to say, uh, when do I get to pay for my ticket? Whenever you want to. I still think it's in the millions of dollars, but you know, uh, for Canadians, I think there'd be a discount. I think it would only be like hundred and fifty million Canadian. <laughs> Is this like one of those buy five flights, get one free stamp cards? That would be awesome to have <laughs> yes. five flights into low Earth orbit. It would be awesome. 
Well, thanks for telling us about this. Uh, look forward to hearing all the space news that comes in 2021. I know we've got another exciting year ahead of us. Uh, even with all of the things that came um, this year with 2020, I was thinking about this actually earlier in the year, how back when COVID shutdown started, we were speculating about what would happen with the space industry and the difficulties they would have, you know, continuing trying to get people quarantined and things like that so that they could they go up there. And overall, I know we saw delays, but overall, it seems like we still mostly stayed on course. And so it's it's great. I think that it's it's awesome. We're still seeing these developments made. And they will be continued to be made because you have Starship, you have Orion coming up. And so I, you know, by the 2025, we're going to have four from the United States of America. Chinese are also developing some. Uh, there might be some in development from other countries out there. Uh, the Russians, of course, will still have Soyuz unless they develop something else. So there will be multiple ways to get into low Earth orbit. And more importantly, more ways to get to other planetary bodies like the moon, like Mars. All right, well, let's move on to the next news point here. And Chris is starting an exclusive library, a film library. I heard this is all you, Chris. It's my Plex server. You can come watch movies. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, what I did want to talk about is the Library of Congress. And for those that aren't aware here in the United States, each year the Library of Congress adds 25 new films, or 25 new to them, let me rephrase, films to the National Film Registry in order to preserve remarkable entries in the cinematic canon for future generations. Previous films you might have heard of in there is like Star Wars Episode Four, things like that. This year, two movies to bring up that I thought might be kind of interesting. Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight and then also DreamWorks Shrek were two of the 25 editions. I'm a big fan of The Dark Knight, so that was kind of exciting for me to see that a comic book movie getting enshrined in the Library of Congress in the National Film Registry. For those that weren't aware, under the terms of the National Film Preservation Act, each year, the Librarian of Congress names 25 films that are, quote, culturally, historically, or aesthetically, end quote, significant, significant, and at least 10 years old. The current Librarian of, this, of Congress, and in this case, 2020, Carla Hayden, makes the annual selections with, after conferring with members of the National Film Preservation Board and a cadre of library specialists. The public also nominates their own essential films. And in 2020, the organization received more than 55 Hundred submissions. That's a lot of submissions. They pared down to 25. Additional films include Lilies of the Wild, which made Sidney Poitier the first black actor to win an Oscar for Best Actor, Wayne Wang's generational Asian American story, The Joy Luck Club, the silent film Suspense, which was co directed by a woman in 1913, as well as The Hurt Locker, which earned Kathleen Bigelow a directing Oscar, making her the first woman to win the award. There are a bunch of other flicks that made it. There's 25 this year. I didn't want to put the whole list in there. But why it really jumped to my attention was, was like, whoa, The Dark Knight, a comic book movie, made it in as one of these things that is now preserved in the National Film Registry. I thought that was pretty cool. And I'm sure there are other ones. I think, in fact, that probably Superman, the 1978 one, is probably in there, but I'm not 100% sure on that. I don't believe it is limited to only U.S. films is what Liberty Dude was mentioning. The 25 films that entered into it this year range from a film called Suspense in 1913 all the way to Freedom Riders in 2010. So it runs the gambit of the entire film history. Mm -hmm. Liberty Dude in the chat mentions, um, actually, sorry, it was Albert Sims mentions a couple that are on his list. And um, one of them, I'm sure he's saying 
you're the one that I want. Which is Greece. Greece is on there. There you go. No, you don't want me to go there, Chris? You're shaking your head. I did not care for that movie. Uh, You know what? There's always a place in my heart for Greece. For Greece, it's a it's a great musical, um, and also the Blues it's Brothers. My is, own hangup. <laughs> Blues Brothers is also on there, which is awesome. Yeah, I've never seen Greece, but I have seen Blue. Blues Everyone Brothers. goes through a phase where the Blues Brothers means a ton to them. I think everyone mm-hmm. has that phase in their life. Like I love the Blues Blues Brothers. Like especially if you're a uh, 18 to 22 year old male in the United States going to college, it's probably in that same era that the Blues Brothers becomes one of your favorite movies temporarily. I drive to or through Chicago several times in a normal year. This year, not so much. But in a normal year, I drive to or through Chicago. And there's one quote in the Blues Brothers that I I say every time. You know, it's 157 (laughs) miles to Chicago. It's I've got half take gas or half pack of cigarettes, full take of gas. It's dark and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Whatever that quote is. I know I just butchered it, but I say it every time. And, And yeah, it's the Blues Brothers. And do you ever sometimes look at the summer weather and go, oh, I love this. I'm having a blast. You know, summer loving. Had me a blast. No, not going to do that. Okay. No. No. Well, let's move on to our next news point here, which is actually our last news point of the day uh, (gasps) before we get to our special segment. And it's all about Disney Plus changes. I think this one's going to evoke a bit of conversation here. In fact, a couple weeks ago, on the investors call, they mentioned that there would be a, I think it was on the call or they re- released the inf- information slightly after, which is there will be an increase to the Disney Plus monthly subscription. As it currently stands, it's slated to begin in February 2021 with a $1 increase for Marca and Canania will be three bucks. $3 for Canada, 1 buck for US is what that is. I don't know about the other locations, the other international audience, but I'm sure there are increases there as well. Now, there's a couple of reasons I wanted to bring this up. Number one is the price increase. We've been a year and a half into the service now, maybe a little shy of that, and we're seeing an increase already. We'll get back to that in a minute. The second thing that I wanted to bring up was in Canada, they have announced that this will now cover what is called a star tier. The star tier is actually going to be more than just Canada. It's going to be other international um, subscriptions as well. But the star tier is essentially something like Hulu, but not for Americans. This is going to be something that is included, at least in Canada, in the subscription. So they're going to give you this included for free, which is going to have other content in there, kind of like Hulu. Now, this is going to stream shows that come from ABC, FX, Freeform, Searchlight, and 20th Century Studios. And of course, there will also be localized content. But here's the question that I've got as a Canadian. How will this compare to Hulu? Well, so far, the writing is on the wall is not good because a lot of the content that you find on Hulu right now is being optioned by other streaming services. And there's no current like hard deadline for the end of... Well, there is a hard deadline, but it's not an imminent hard deadline for the licensing in Canada. A lot of the stuff that you see currently on Hulu in America is distributed in Canada through services like Crave TV, Netflix, Prime Video, and even the CBC streaming platform, the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation's streaming platform, 
has some rights as well. So the bottom line is, as it stands, it looks like maybe this will launch in a similar state to how Netflix Canada first launched, which was not good. Uh, the first few years of Netflix Canada was very bad. There was a lot of people finding ways to skirt to skirt that and sign up for a U.S. Netflix account and get all that content and things like that for the first little while in Canada. And things evolved with time. So it's looking like this star service from Disney Plus, which, by the way, if you're Canadian, it's not the same as stars with a Z. It's a different thing. Uh, is going to not be that great for options, but we'll see. I don't know. It's three bucks extra a month um, for for me as a Canadian. Now, yeah, but you're getting additional content for three bucks. North uh, America is just paying an extra dollar for the same old. Not entirely true. At least here they're bringing in a new service in there, which brings me to let's talk about the price increase. And I'll, I'll quickly just give my thoughts here is I'm a little unsure how I feel about this because. I worry that that content is going to eventually grow with the star service and it'll give them reason to increase, 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 increase in price because there'll be a lot more content in there. But maybe I don't want that content. So I kind of like the US model where you've got the option of Hulu and you have the option for Disney Plus. So I'm a little on the fence too, because on the flip side, more people paying for it means the cost is less if you do want it because it's distributed across everybody subscribing. So I'm on the fence right now on that. I've been overall, though, impressed with the content that's been coming out of Disney+. Plus. I would like to have seen a little more by now going into year two. So I kind of feel like the increase is a little premature compared to what we thought we were going to get the first year. But I will defer to you guys now to respond. Uh, SP, you look like you're itching to respond. Yeah, I want to say one thing before Chris responds, and I want to come back and respond later. I just want to make a comment on the Netflix rollout to Canada. You guys had all the corner gas on there that you wanted, so I think that was a fair deal for you up there. That was an ongoing joke, but I don't know that it was actually ever on there. It could have been, but I don't know. I'm not sure. <laughs> well, it was on there on the DVDs, so there you go. Fair enough. <laughs> I don't really care about the price increase. I prepaid three years in advance, so they'll oh. get me in two more years. We never got that deal up here. Yeah, so doesn't matter to me yet. <laughs> so six ninety nine was obviously an introductory price because there was limited new content available. There was the entire Disney Vault or whatever they wanted to put on there, including all the Marvel movies that they paid extra to get the rights from other people, so that they were on two different services at the same time, plus the Star Wars stuff. And then eventually other things as well. But there was a relatively little to none new content. Now they're getting more and more new content and they feel like they've hooked a lot of people in. I had a year free with Verizon. I didn't have to pay for a complete year, but I had it, which was great. So the three year deal that Chris had. Who knows? In the end, I might have ended up with the better deal because I just didn't have to pay for a whole year at the end. If they do a price increase for the next year as well, I, I still might come out ahead of that free that, that three year deal that Chris signed up for. I elected not to do it because I was going to have the free year. However, six ninety nine, relatively low price when you take into consideration other streaming services out there, Netflix for one. And then you can bundle here in the United States. And, and I know, Stephen, you can't. You can bundle with 
Hulu right now, they're adding the commercial free Hulu, which is one of the main reasons that I didn't take that package is because I wasn't going to pay for commercials in Hulu. So Hulu and ESPN streaming service in there. I think for the U.S., that's fine for for Canada. I think that uh, time will tell what is out there. I think that Disney is not stupid, though, and they will want to give you commensurate amount of content for what you pay for because consumers aren't dumb they'll go away from it if they're not getting what they want for the price eventually so they got to be careful about it i have no qualms about disney actually increasing the prices for the next few years to get more in line with the other main streaming services prime uh netflix of that sort so i just expect it and the 699 was a gift for a year year and a half and We'll see what it is in the future. I mean, it's like the third, third the price of Netflix. If you want to have Netflix with 4K streams right now, because that just up to what seventeen ninety nine a month, I think it is. Yeah, it is seventeen yeah. eighteen with tax. Yeah, something like that. So I'm less concerned about the price jump. And let's be honest, we touched on it last week a little bit that there is a boatload of new content coming to Disney Plus, and when content comes in, I'm kind of okay if the subscription goes up a little bit. Yeah, like I got to say, I think like when I look at it, I thought we were going to have a lot more Marvel content this year. Pandemic, I thought, man. Yeah, it exactly. It held off all their plans for the first three shows. 100%. And so in that case, I go, I signed up at this price thinking this is what we had in store for Disney Plus uh, for the first year. And we didn't get that. But on the flip side, I look at what they did release and I go, okay, that was better content than I thought. And we'll talk about some of those titles in a minute, but I think that um, even some of like the the stuff that you like the Jeff Goldblum series, that there is something that didn't seem like it would be that great. Like it sounded like, oh, it's interesting, it's Jeff Goldblum, but I thought it was a really well produced series and enjoyed it. And again, we'll talk about that in a minute. There's a ton of back catalog content there. I think that's still the big thing with Disney Plus and. There's not a ton of new content yet, but there's a ton of back catalog stuff. And I think that's why they announced the like 50 plus shows, which uh, we're going to have to talk. This is not the time to talk about. We're going to have to talk about that at some point in time, because there's a lot to say about the breadth of everything that they selected. But to give you a corollary of this, I wasn't going to pay for CBS All Access. I was staunchly against paying for CBS All Access because the only show on there at the time that it launched that I would be interested in was uh, Discovery, which season one, I was not interested in seeing. However, because of COVID, they went ahead and uh, they, they, I don't know if this was just marketed this way or if Patrick Stewart actually asked, said, hey guys, let's give this for free for a month for everybody so everybody can see Picard because I, I just want to make sure everybody has a chance that, that wants to see Picard. And I know there's a lot of people like SP out there that are not going to pay for CBS All Access to see any Star Trek just on principle because Star Trek had been free. And I got suckered in and I watched it and then I watched Discovery season one and season two it got a lot better in season two. And I was going to cancel it at that point and just re-up it later on in the year. But here's the thing. Because of COVID, because there was a dearth of content out there, the girls in the house went ahead and they started watching shows that would give them a perspective of the world. The Amazing Race. 
right? I have never watched The Amazing Race, but they were in on The Amazing Race. And then uh, I think the younger one was into that the house thing. What is that called? Big Brother. Big Brother. So they got more enjoyment out of those to the point where I actually kept the streaming service and I paid for it all the way to now. And I'm watching Discovery on it. Now, when TV, regular TV comes back, will I actually keep it full time year round? No, because I'm not interested in The Amazing Race. I'm not interested in Big Brother, but I'm glad that it was there. And that is an example of of something that people kept around, at least because of COVID. And I think there was a significant amount of people that were there for Disney Plus because of COVID, because there was nothing else to to watch. You know, I've been through the Netflix library, you know, give me something else. Uh, but now that Disney Plus have said, hey, look, we're going to give you 50 quality shows out there. It's like, huh, maybe uh, maybe I'll stay in and maybe I don't mind the, uh, the the rate increase. So there's a lot of factors here. And, and the whole streaming thing is relatively new to a lot of non-techies out there. And because of what happened this year, I think it got a boost. And, and just like the movie theaters, I don't know if we're ever going back. And I don't know if that's a a bad thing. I think it's a good thing. Which I think that segues perfectly into our segment. Now it's time to give credit where credit's due. This is something that Mr. SP here thought of, uh, I don't know, it was probably about half a year ago now. He um, I don't know. The, the year seems very long. Maybe it's only three months. I don't know. But he had this idea of we should talk at the end of the year about the stuff that we've watched that is through a streaming provider. Now, obviously, as we got into, okay, what's that going to look like? And we started to develop this segment. We thought, well, Chris will just say everything because he watches right. everything through through YouTube TV, right? That that's accurate. I almost thought about just putting everything, but I did not do that. Now, caveat: my list is only new content I watched. If I rewatched stuff I'd seen before, I didn't include it on my list. So today, we want to run through some of the things that are are streaming titles, and there's a couple gray zones, especially for me as a Canadian that has content licensed really weird. But the intent is these are something that are developed for either premium or something that has a streaming demographic, and you'll see what you, we mean there in a minute because HBO might be on the list. So, um, and, and the reason why is because the whole, for me, I'll get there, but the whole streaming movement with HBO, we thought made it worthy of being on the list. So I think as we go through, we'll all just kind of acknowledge different titles that are that are on there. And then if we have any extra footnotes, we'll say it in our, our little section there. And I want to just quickly start off with the one that I mentioned uh, at the beginning there, which is uh, the world of Jeff, the world according to Jeff Goldblum. This one here was on Disney Plus. Quite the surprise for me. Um, it did air starting, I think, in November, rolled through to January. And I personally had had a few titles that had had backed up from the December release and I will finish them all. I think at the end of January or maybe beginning of February, I powered through the majority of them. Uh, another one that I want to mention that kind of came out at left field for me, was one called money heist. It's actually was on Netflix. I, I watched that earlier this year and it's about a group. Uh, it's a foreign uh, TV series about a group that plans the heist and a very elaborate heist 
of the Royal Mint of Spain. Now, this was an interesting one for me because this actually originally aired on a Spanish network, but Netflix optioned the international rights and recut it a little bit into many different um, parts. So there's four parts all together, essentially seasons. The first two parts start with the first storyline that I just outlined. The second is the second storyline that I have not watched yet. But it um, was, it exposed me to some of the stuff that's out there now because of the streaming platforms available. And it is it is quite an interesting series, especially because Netflix put the time and effort into doing half-decent dubbing over it. So I watched it with audio dubbing on. I'm not a huge subtitle guy. I have issues sometimes with that. I, I will watch. But the audio dubbing was interesting. One, one thing that I will say about streaming services is that in particular, like Europe has passed laws that says a percentage of their new content has to be uh, local content. And I don't know if that means like in the country or not that is streamed in the country. Uh, so you're going to see a lot more of these good series that are actually produced in other countries just because legally they have to do it. And I think it's the right thing to do. There's no reason that America needs to be the center of all good streaming services. There's a lot of good producers, writers, actors, and everything in the world. And while I'm not really the fan of uh, subtitled stuff, you were just going to see more and more of it, which is fine. Yeah. I watched Space Force on Netflix. I've made my opinion pretty well known on this show here. We'll see where season two lands. I'm not the wildest about the finale, but was impressed with what I saw. It was a fun comedy. Greg Daniels had two shows come out this year, and that was the weaker of the two. Okay. Good to know. Yeah. Good to know. Uh, my get next guest needs no introduction. Also a Netflix store of uh, story in Netflix series. I have only watched season two. Season three just came out um, and I got behind in season two last year. So I watched that this year and will continue watching season three. I'm about to be on some Christmas vacation. I'll have lots of time to watch this. <laughs> so I'll I want to watch this. I really like Letterman's interviews. He's a good interviewer and uh, I think it's a really well produced series. Now, I will say this next one that I want to mention is pretty much, I think it is the biggest surprise for me of the year. And it was Star Trek Lower Decks. This is a CBS All Access series. I did watch it in the Crave platform in Canada. This was a Star Trek cartoon that we gave a little gentle ribbing to um, along the way. And it was fun. I enjoyed it. I thought it was a fun time. What made this really special is because they actually had Will Riker, Jonathan Frakes involved, <laughs> both on screen, uh, quote unquote, on screen and in the directing chair. And it it was it's kind of everything that Galaxy Quest made good about Star Trek in a Star Trek thing. Yeah. So if you haven't seen it, go watch it. I I, I was surprised by it. I, I kind of watched it in the lead up to uh, Discovery season three, and it it was a fun watch. I glad I did. And I'm looking forward to the next season. It's a good example on content that probably wouldn't be on network. I don't know that. I don't know that at this point in time with the franchise, the stability of the Star Trek franchise, I don't know that we would have seen this option by a cartoon network. I don't know that we would have gotten that. Between uh, cartoon network and, and, you know, everything else out there, maybe sci-fi or whatever that would have. Yeah, I'm glad it was on CBS All Access because it would just been buried somewhere else. I agree. 
Uh, a few weeks ago, I started watching James May, Oh Cook. It's a cooking show. I have no no desire to cook any of the stuff, but it's it's fun. And again, it's I think it's a good example on a sort of streaming take because it's not as formulaic as you see other cooking shows. And it's a little more fun as such. You can take away stuff, but it is, it's interesting because he's also exploring how to make a cooking show and he's transparent on that. And again, I don't know that this might have made its way to at least North American television without it. So I, it's on prime video. This kind of sounds like this, their generic celebrity YouTube channel that they started this year, like Brie Larson, for instance, and stuff like that. Although this was on Prime, so it probably got more credence. And James May is is an international star because of his history. And it's it's well produced as well. Of course, I'll mention Grand Tour. There was one special just because of the COVID era caused a whole bunch of cancellation with the most recent series, but... I uh, I did watch that. I think I I might have watched it at the end of December, but I was somewhere December, January that I watched it. Jack Ryan season two, same sort of situation as I mentioned before. Um, started something in December, finished it in January. I've been really impressed with the quality of Jack Ryan, both season one and season two on Prime Video. I can't wait to watch both. I haven't seen, but I've, I've watched a few episodes of, of both, not the specials, but with Grand Tour, but Grand Tour season one. I can't wait to finally sit down and see the whole thing. I've got a couple others that I'll talk about in a minute that were on Disney Plus. We'll leave those for you too. You're a big fan of that. But in the gray zone that I'm going to just quickly run down here, I had Picard, Discovery season three, Shameless season nine and 10, and the French Fresh Prince reunion special, even though that wasn't a TV show, I had to mention it. And the reason I put those all in the gray zone is because of the Canadian options. Technically, I could have watched those on TV, but I wanted to acknowledge them. First off, the Star Trek content, because a lot of times um, if I was really itching, whether it was Picard or Discovery, really itching to see the next episode, I would um, watch it the night of on the Space Channel, which is now known as CTV Sci-Fi. I would watch that because in Canada, the option, the, the rights are optioned to a cable channel. So I would watch that. But otherwise, I preferred the feel of the streaming service, not even having to skip commercials. And so I would often wait till the next day. And once it hit the streaming platform of Crave TV, would watch it, I would say, as it was intended on a streaming platform. And then with Shameless, the reason I wanted to mention those was because HBO in Canada is available as an add-on through your provider to a certain degree, but I've discovered it's much cheaper to just subscribe to um, the add-on in Crave TV. And so I, I've done that and um, I don't have to call up my provider to say, hey, I'd like to subscribe to this for a limited time. And I started to do that with any of the shows like the Fresh Prince one that are on HBO. I'm subscribing watching for the or adding the add-on to Crave TV, which is who has that, watching it and canceling the add-on when I'm done. And then if I go a month or two months without it, I'll add it back. And even if it's only a few weeks, I'm trying to get in this habit just because like, if I'm not watching regular content on these add-ons, put that money elsewhere, maybe get a different add-on of something else and, and try out some of these other content that's available. And I, I, there was a time where when I when I first started watching Shameless and I wanted to watch the next season now, I would get my provider to add it on. 
And then I'd go and I would just have it sitting there for months and months and months and I wouldn't be watching anything on it. And so this whole getting it through streaming service allows you to really pick and choose and avoid having to call or, you know, go onto your portal and cancel something on your on your cable subscription. Um, I just wanted to acknowledge those because I feel like it's a it's a little taste of what I'm missing with YouTube TV. And I sure, sure as heck like the streaming model. Let's go watch uh, Chris Farrell next. Sure. And caveat, I am not going to touch on anything I watched through YouTube TV because that's regular cable-based kind of content. I'm also not going to bring up anything that I may have rewatched or wasn't new to me. So anything like rewatching parts of Star Wars Rebels or Clone Wars, I won't bring up. So things I did watch, like Steven, and I'm pretty sure, and I know SP, Star Trek Picard on CBS All Access. About two weeks after Picard was done, I canceled my All Access subscription. So I have not watched Discovery. I have not watched Lower Decks. Uh, much like everyone else on this show, also The Mandalorian, because yes, it's the best show on Disney+. Plus, and it is what most people get Disney Plus to watch at this point in time when there were different uh, metrics that were put together on that. I don't, uh, I don't know. I'd have to take a look at the entirety of catalog on Disney+. Plus. I don't know if I would say it was the best thing on Disney+, Plus, but it's definitely the best new thing on Disney+. Plus. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. Also, along with Mandalorian, Disney Gallery, The Mandalorian, which is the director's or the producers and whatnot talking about, here's how we did these shots. Here's how the story beats were lined up to make it work. Or here's how the directors work together. It was a fascinating behind the scenes look at things. And I'm really looking forward to them doing the same for season two of Mandalorian. I think it's around Christmas is when they're supposed to start season two's Disney gallery for the Mandalorian. And I'm super excited to see where they go with it, despite there being no Taika Waititi this season, which bums me out a little bit. But he's got his own Star Wars movie coming up, so that makes it better. I, I that's one of the ones that I actually both of those were the ones I left off my list because I wanted to take a moment to acknowledge the gallery um, Mandalorians, whatever you want to call it serious. That one surprised me that that really did surprise me how interesting it was. And part of that was the technology they were using was new and innovative, but it was just really neat to hear the inside story and so well produced. It was one of those things that you're you're left wanting more. So I would rather see them do things like that than do like post show talk shows like they have talking dead and things like that. I don't I never cared about those because I didn't want to hear a bunch of people who might have filmed part of it just react. Like, hey, this was cool. Disney Gallery got more focused into like technical aspects of why they did things or the technical aspects of how they made other things work. And it was it was far more interesting than just we're going to have an actor on who was on the show who's going to recap what they thought of it. So Disney I want more like that. Disney has so much history of doing this just within the parks with their, their Imagineers and everything. They actually do this sort of stuff inside Disney World. And I've never been to Disneyland, but probably Disneyland as well. That I'm not surprised that they were able to put something like this together for Disney Plus. It's more along the lines of what they are already creating. So I can't see another entity really coming up with this approach in the streaming sphere before Disney. Now, after they see this, maybe, but they still have to step back and have the infrastructure to have that Imagineer documentary of behind the scenes of how they're able to do the Walking Dead and, and all the, you know, the graphics and, and stuff like that on not just the Walking Dead, but any channel out there. Right. But Disney does it right. 
Yeah, I was just picking on Talking Dead because it was the low-hanging fruit that came to mind there because it's been going on forever. And I've never understood Talking Dead. It just never clicked for me. So that that's why I took the shot that I took. <laughs> because, yeah, because people are doing watch parties and they're drunk and can't go home. So they just sit in front of the TV and talk about the episode that they just saw before they go home. All right, so let's keep going with my list. Uh, Upload. This is the other Greg Daniels show who brought you uh, also Space Force. It was on Amazon Prime. This one was starring Robbie Amell. The whole concept was in the year 2033, excuse me, humans can upload themselves to servers and live in a digital heaven, a virtual afterlife, and still interact with people in the real world. And it was fascinating, and it was hilarious at times, and it touched on a lot of the kind of fears we have of technological dependency and how technology worms its way into our life and how these people go to this virtual heaven and still interact with people in the real world who can manipulate things in a virtual heaven and then gets into the economy of this virtual heaven. It was funny. It was scary at times because of what it might mean for the future. And I just had a blast with it. And I think it was only like eight or 10 episodes and I can't wait to see where they go with it with season two because they drop a bomb on you at the end and you're like, wait, what just happened? You know, I hadn't heard of this one until you mentioned it. So I'm going to have to check this out. I put it on my list. Yeah, really good. I really enjoy it. It's my favorite thing I watched. Well, second favorite thing on Amazon this season. I forgot that the boys season two was on Amazon. So that's what I'll get into next on their boys season two, which is an adaptation of uh, the boys comic books. And it is delightful. It is over the top. It is ridiculous. Makes fun of superhero tropes and the things they can get away with because they're streaming are just absolutely delightful. And I did find out, for instance, one of the things they showed off in trailers and promotional material was uh, them driving a boat into a whale. And a lot of people assume that that whale was CGI. No, no, no. I found out that that whale was animatronic and then they use CGI blood with it at times. And even the mouth opens on this whale that they run into was animatronic as well. And I was just fascinated to learn some of that stuff. But the boys... Very, very good show. If you want to see a riff on the superhero trope, it's quite enjoyable. There's not a bad actor in there, and they do short, condensed seasons. I think each season's eight episodes. And if it is your jam, there is a post show for the boys hosted by Isha Tyler. I didn't watch it because most of those post shows uh, don't really do much for me, like I mentioned. I have not heard of a animatronics sea. Uh, monster or sea animal since jaws that that's awesome that they did that um i was told by many people yourself included i think chris that the boys had a very dark tone to it it might not be what i want to watch personally i've heard it's a fantastic series but i'm a little bit trepid to actually watch it because of everything that i've heard about it being maybe too dark for me well it is pretty funny but it it touches on some darker elements and the government's involvement in superheroes. And I've enjoyed it a lot. And I, there's a lot of laugh out loud moments because Carl Urban is just fantastic as Billy Butcher. And uh, he uses the C word a lot. And that's all I'll say about that right now. But also on Amazon prime, my wife really dug this one. I'm kind of on the fence about it. It's good omens. That was the one where David Tennant's demon and Michael Sheen is an angel. And it's an adaptation of, I believe a Neil Gaiman work. It was okay. It's not really my jam, but she loved it and really enjoyed it. So I watched it. I love David Tennant. So I enjoyed that aspect of it. Uh, Let's see. Also mentioned Space Force. I think we all watched that one. Hopefully season two is better than season one. I think they started to find their way at the end. They have a funny cast. 
So that could be helpful. Uh, I'm, I've only got one in this streaming service that I'll mention, but Peacock is part of my cable, is part of my internet subscription with Comcast. They gave me a subscription to Peacock. I watched season three of AP Bio. Season one and two were on Netflix. They canceled it, then brought it back as a streaming only property on Peacock. And it is hilarious still. And they can actually curse occasionally. And they made it a gag like, wait, we can do that now when someone said a curse word. And it kind of became a running gag in one episode. Let's talk about Peacock for a second, because I've got one Peacock show, too. So Peacock is a streaming service that has multiple tiers. One is free. But I think there's like one or two paid tiers to it in the United States. There's a paid tier with commercials and a paid tier without commercials, I think. I thought there was paid tiers that gave you even more in-depth or special content the higher that you went. Uh, I don't know. Okay. I don't know enough about it. I just gave what they I just watched what they gave me with my cable with my internet subscription, to be honest. Peacock is NBC's version of CBS All Access, except for they decided to throw a free version out there like the CW app is for CW. So I watched AP bio on there. We'll delve into HBO max now, which is kind of cheating. Cause I guess if you have HBO, you could watch this first show on HBO itself, but it is last week tonight with John Oliver. Uh, I think John Oliver is hilarious. I think his uh, recap of things that have happened in the past week and his uh, humorous take on societal issues, both helps you learn about something and have a laugh about it. And I kind of enjoyed how he went to war to get a sewage plant named after himself this season and ended up getting it named after himself this season. So last week's night with John Oliver really enjoyed it. He's won crap loads of of Emmy awards for that show. It's fantastic. I think also on HBO max, uh, it was on the DC universe app and they moved it over young justice season three. I loved season one and season two when it was on Netflix. I was one of those ones that binged it a lot to try and, drive up interest because it showed up in the metrics. I just never picked up the DC universe app just to watch young justice. So I was able to watch it. And then I watched the first three or four episodes of Harley Quinn. I just haven't circled back around to it and forgot to put it on my list, but it was again, another well-produced cartoon show, but the difference is Harley Quinn is an adult cartoon. So they drop F bombs and things like that in there. So be prepared for that. Don't watch it with your children necessarily. Don't watch it at all with your children. Speaking of things not to watch with your children on Netflix, Big Mouth season four. For those that aren't aware, it is a show, a cartoon created by Nick Kroll. He's got a bunch of different talented comedians as voice actors like John Mulaney, um, Richard Kind, who you might know from a few older comedies, things like that. The voice cast is fantastic, but it is a comedic riff on a bunch of teenagers that are going through puberty and these stupid things that they did. And it makes you go, Boy, I did some of those stupid things. And they have what eggs them on things that are called hormone monsters or hormone monstresses that uh, are encouraging them to do crazy weird things. I can't really describe too much more about the show because it goes really strange and talks about adult topics. So don't watch it with your kids, but it is hilarious. And the, ta- and the cast is fantastic on it. We've got a lot of Netflix stuff here, guys. I just realized I binged all of Lucifer this season, this year because everyone said it was really good. So the first half of season five came out and I got caught up through all of that. And the second half of season five is rumored to be hitting maybe at the end of December, who knows, but uh, Netflix, they, they did a, they did a good job picking up Lucifer. That show is fantastic. And you can tell when it went to Netflix and they can get away with more because that's when they show Tom Ellis's naked ass. So the ladies can dig it. 
The dude rocks it pretty well, too. Handsome man. He's a handsome man. I said handsome man, but he is a handsome mm-hmm. man, too. Yeah, he is a handsome man. <laughs> also, on Netflix, uh, Unsolved Mysteries, they brought it back. There's been, I think, it's either eight or ten episodes. And most of them have been kind of interesting. It's the same kind of stuff you can find on Reddit if you go digging around. It's not quite the same as the old series, but it's still fun to kind of have that whole unsolved mysteries. Here's a weird case of some kind that goes on. We're going to outline everything that may have happened and touch on it. I could say that 60% of it I enjoyed. The other 40%, I was like, what the hell? And I just, I skipped two of the episodes. In fact, I got about 10 minutes in and I was like, I don't care about this mystery. And skipped it. <laughs> yeah. I'll be honest. Yeah. What I also thought was really cool with that one is that the uh, Netflix folks went to the official Unsolved Mysteries subreddit. And for every one of those cases, they dumped every bit of information they had, all of the stuff they compiled for the show, be it interviews, documentaries, uh, other documentaries, historical news clippings and things like that, and put it all up online on the Unsolved Mysteries subreddit, which I thought was kind of cool and also encourages people to kind of dig into it themselves. Uh, Two more Netflix things, and they're both kind of related because it's the same producer, I think, that does both of them. The Toys That Made Us and The Movies That Made Us. They are fascinating shows, and each episode basically digs into, in The Toys That Made Us, one specific toy line, like He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, or Power Rangers, or G.I. Joe, and kind of gets into the history of how this toy line came came to be, how it succeeded, what caused it to fail in the end, and it's just fascinating. And they bring in the people that may have like originally created those toys, the original sculptors, the original not showrunners, that's not the right term, but the creators of the world that set that those toys are set in. And it's just a great nostalgia trip, especially if it's a toy property you care about. The Star Wars episode was really good. The G.I. Joe episode was really good. The Power Rangers episode. I didn't really care a ton about My Little Pony, but I watched it and really enjoyed it. I think there was only one episode I couldn't get into, and I can't remember which one it was off the top of my head now. Hmm. It was really, really fascinating, especially if you we're collecting those toys that they do an episode about. I, these two series that you mentioned here, the toys that made us and the movies that made us, I know you've mentioned them before and I keep forgetting to go into them because I know I'd be interested in it. And this is the type of ancillary content that we were just talking about with Disney plus, but Netflix has done several of these types of things over the years. And I just got to remember to go in and and watch them because I'd be interested in stuff like this. That's why I listen to podcasts. Things we don't think about that Netflix has a ton of good content on is comedy specials and documentaries. And that's not the stuff that gets all the clicks and that you'll hear about, but occasionally they'll get one that pops up. But there's some really good comedy specials in there. And I didn't list all the comedy specials I watched because that's something easy just to toss on the TV in the kitchen when I'm cooking dinner. And same with uh, some of these documentaries. But really fascinating stuff. I've got two more services to touch on. Only one on this next uh, service. This is Hulu. I watched the Canadian original Letter Kenny. You are I, officially I, more Canadian than me. I'm only wow. into season two. I, you know, uh, you, you joked about this a while ago on the podcast about us doing a podcast about it. I, I haven't even watched it yet. I meant to watch this months and months ago. Like when COVID quarantines first started, I was like, okay, I got to watch that because everybody has for years talked about Letterkenny. And I, th- I think you guys have it on Crave because it says yes. it's a Crave original in the credits. It is. Even my brother-in-law, who's a, now a dual citizen of 
the United States and Canada raves about Letterkenny. I'm not, uh, my co-hosts on ATGN love it and they've been really encouraging me to watch it and they mainlined it. I'm into season two and I enjoy it, but the, the thing is, it's not one of those shows that I can put on while I'm cooking dinner because you kind of have to pay attention to Letterkenny is kind of how I feel about it to, because they talk fast, they go back and forth real quick and it's not something you can half pay attention to and consume properly. So it, it doesn't fit what I want when I'm cooking dinner. And when I sit down in the evening to watch stuff, it just doesn't pop to the top of my list. Admit it. You're saying you have a hard time understanding the Canadian accent. That's what it is, right? No, no, it's it's not the accent. <laughs> it's the speed at which they talk and go back and forth. I mean, and, and it, it's really, it's smart comedy for lack of a better term. It's just, it's really fast and you have to pay attention to it. And I just don't always have that mindset. And where, I, like I said, where I'd want to watch it is when I was cooking dinner and it just doesn't make sense there. I'm liable to lop off a finger because I'll be watching that instead of. There is a cultural barrier between Canada and the United States that I don't think a lot of people realize, but yeah, there's like strange brew, for instance. I mean, that, that can be a, a step too far for some people. Uh, it, it just depends on where your mindset is uh, of what you want. I, I'll admit I am not a fan of everything Canadian. Justin Bieber. So I'm going to touch on these ones real quick because I'm probably kind of skirting the line here a little bit, but there is a bunch of good content on YouTube where they release in like a weekly or a semi-weekly format where they're putting out a 20 to 35 minute episode, which it feels like TV I'm getting for free when I watch on YouTube. So I wanted to highlight just a few channels that I've really enjoyed. And the first three or out of the four I was going to bring up, they're all about cars basically. And the first is Rich Rebuilds. And I don't know if you guys have heard of Rich before, yes. but his claim to fame is he became a YouTube star when he was rebuilding wrecked Teslas and trying to get parts from Tesla and bringing up the right to repair laws and trying to fight for right to repair laws. So he's rebuilt like four or five different Teslas from the ground up. He's kind of gone to war with Tesla over times, trying to get replacement parts, trying to figure out why they won't let him supercharge things. But it's a fascinating channel. And he's kind of pivoted away from doing Tesla related content now because he was bored with it is how he put it. And his most recent uh, build that he just finished, and I think it's like an eight episode long uh, YouTube series, is he got a wrecked Mini Cooper. It was like a 2015 Mini Cooper, I think it is. And the engine had seized in it. And he then converted it to an EV. So it was like eight or nine episodes, 20 to 30 minutes at a pop. That's him and his buddy, Steven, taking this Mini Cooper, taking the engine out of it, putting in batteries, putting in electric motors, and turning it and converting it into an EV. And it's fascinating. It's just fun content. So I've really enjoyed Rich's channel. If you're interested in seeing how Tesla's work, how he rebuilds them, watch a lot of his older content. If you're interested in seeing him just do new vehicle builds, like he hadn't done a gas car in a while. So he did like an Audi RX-8 just recently. And it's wow. just fascinating to see an amateur guy, as he puts it in his own mind, go in there and work on these cars and bring them back. And he also you might've heard owns like three different garages called the electrified garage that are all about fixing, repairing and maintaining electric vehicles. So he's kind of turned all of his YouTube infamy into a business, which is pretty cool. And is working with a bunch of former Tesla mechanics and stuff like that. Also in the car realm of things, there is a uh, YouTuber by the name of Tyler Hoover, who has a channel called Hoovy's garage where he buys what he calls hoopties, which are, older cars that uh, may be a little down on their luck that he can get for cheap. And it is pretty much the chronicles of him buying a car, 
and as he puts it, the dumbest channel automotive channel on YouTube, buying a car, taking it to his mechanic, who he affectionately calls the car wizard, finding out just how much work has to be done on it, and then shelling out a bunch of money and losing money in the end. But the dude buys and sells cars and shares the entire process on YouTube. And it generally turns into a three-part series. Hey, here's the car I bought. And he does a walkthrough of it and why he was interested in the car. Part two, which is he takes it to the car wizard and the car wizard then goes around and says, well, here's the problems, gives him a quote for how much it is to fix. And then part three is once the car wizard fixes it, he kind of shows what he did, goes through the cost of what it was. And then Tyler takes it and sometimes sells it, sometimes gives it away to someone in need. But the dude, I think in his house has 26 cars right now. Uh, two more things I got left because I know I'm going long. Another car channel, uh, Watch JR Go. It's a YouTuber by the name of John Ross who got fired from his actual job because they thought he YouTube too much on the side and has converted it into a business of putting out generally three to four videos a week of him LS swapping cars, of him getting a new car and turning it around real quick or buying a car and turning it into a drift car in his entire process of doing it. It's fascinating right now because about two weeks ago, he just bought a giant garage so he's taking people through the process of renovating and redoing his garage while doing car projects on the side. I don't know how he does all the work he does and still puts out like four 30 minute videos a week. It's mind blowing to me. Uh, and then the final thing I was going to talk about on YouTube, and this is by a group called Corridor Digital. They do digital VFX and things like that. They have a separate channel called Corridor Crew, which is stuff that the people who work there are interested in. And just in the past year and a half or so ago, You've probably seen some of these videos because they've gone viral. They have two different series called Stunt People React and VFX Artists React. And what they do is they bring in stunt people who you've seen in Marvel movies or DC movies or in TV. And they have them come on and explain how they do different stunts, why they, how they do a fall to properly do things. And they start going into, yeah, here's how we make these stunts safe. Here's how we do them. Here's the rigging we use to make it happen. And it's just fascinating to get this behind the scenes look Here's how we pull these stunts off. And they've had like the stunt double for uh, the Falcon from the MCU. They've had the stunt double for Black Panther. And they get into the huge just background of how they pull all this stuff off. And they do something also very similar with visual effects where they'll bring in other VFX artists. And these guys are all VFX artists. And they'll try and break down what tools they use to do something, what worked, what didn't work with a VFX. It, it's really cool stuff. I've enjoyed it a lot. That's what I've been getting into. It's way too much stuff, I know. <laughs> no, it's great. It's a great example on the non-traditional um, content that traditional distributed method uh, content that's available. YouTube's a crazy place, man. You can fall down a rabbit hole and lose hours and be like, what the hell just happened to me? That's a great transition to go into YouTube because I have a few YouTube channels that I was going to talk about. Uh, I wasn't really going to go in depth on them. But I subscribe to over 100 YouTube channels. Not all of them are podcasts. I actually subscribe to a fair amount of sailing YouTube channels. And one I will point out is Gone with the Winds. If you're interested in just learning about sailing, sailing life, the cruising life, you can get into that one. I have dozens of sailing channels I'm subscribed to. Along the car line, Vice Grip Garage is just a fun one. He likes to take old cars and just make them roadworthy again. You know, save them is what he's into and, and just fun. And he's got boys that he's bringing up in there. And then just another general uh, adventure one is Adventures with Purpose. It started out with just diving and, and finding like iPhones and iWatches in rivers. Now they're actually finding cars in bodies of water and then looking into 
actual uh, cases of like suicide death, that sort of thing that are unsolved mysteries. They just did a road show of that in the last few months. And it is a great channel. So those are just some of the channels. If you want to talk to me about any of the YouTube channels that I subscribe to, and please just hit me up and we'll compare notes. Okay, on to the streaming shows of regular non-YouTube networks. I started on HBO Go. Yes, I can say HBO Go because it was in January. This was in post-Aeroverse, post-Crisis. I discovered that I was watching a lot of TV that was CW-based, you know, the Arrowverse. I mean, like six, eight shows a week because of that. And when I decided to stop watching it after we stopped with Starling Tribune and with COVID and everything, I decided to go and catch some of these series. This is the whole genesis of the segment this year that are streaming and see all the wonderful TV that's out there. I started with The Watchmen. And if you haven't seen The Watchmen yet on HBO, it is very different than the the movie. I think it's better in a lot of ways. I've never seen the movie, but I've heard that this is way better. And I've heard that they want to do a season two. I think it would be not impossible, but difficult to do just the way The Watchmen is set up. But The Watchmen was was great. And it de- delves into the the comic book Watchmen of, of the movie, but in a different way. I also watched Westworld only season one. I haven't seen season two yet, but I saw that uh, and I was impressed. I, I really was. I won't go in depth into it. If you want to talk to me about Westworld, I'd be glad to. But if you have if you have access to HBO and you haven't seen Westworld, you really should, because it is a really good series. One of the series that I watched on Hulu for Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. was Runaways, and it was a streaming show. And that's why it's on the list. If you want to know my thoughts on Runaways, there's at least six episodes. There's more, actually, because of the multiple seasons over on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. And it, it was one of the last Marvel TV studios shows that were out there. I also watched Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. this past summer. It wasn't a streaming show, but it was also one of the last Marvel TV shows. So that that's come to a close. And now we have Marvel on Disney+. Plus. I did watch Space Force. I thought I had a lot of heart into it and I didn't care for the ending. And I assumed that a season two was greenlit until like a week or two after I finished it. And then Stephen told me, no, there is no season two. And then I did some research and found out that there wasn't at the time a season two. I was like, what? I just wasted time watching this thing. Yes, the season two is greenlit. We'll see if they can go forward with it. I did like the heart of it as well. Along with Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., I was streaming a bunch of Netflix stuff just to get it off the plate. We were podcasting about it. Jessica Jones season two, Iron Fist season two, Luke Cage season two. Currently, we're doing Daredevil season three on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. So that's all on Netflix, at least for now. I'm not sure how much longer Netflix is going to keep those Marvel shows on there. So if you're a big Marvel fan and you just got to see those shows in the Defenders universe, I would get it now before there's a fight between Netflix and Disney and these might go away. I mean, there's rumors of Charlie Cox being in the Spider-Man verse. So I I don't know. Netflix owns those shows, though. Yeah, they might pull them just to spite. I don't know. Yeah, but you want people to watch your stuff. So if Charlie Cox shows up in something and someone goes, oh, my God, I want to watch Daredevil now. Don't forget. Be a subscriber. Don't don't forget that Marvel and Disney have done the reverse. They pulled comics out just because they wanted to stop other properties from using them. 
Yeah, but Netflix rarely, I don't can't think of an instance where Netflix has pulled their own content off. They've pulled other licensed content off. It's a whole nother discussion to get into. So I did fall into the gift uh, trap and I watched Picard and I'm glad I did. It was a fun show. It was the best Star Trek ever. I, I don't know if I could say that, but it was fun Star Trek to watch. I also watched Discovery season one and two, and I'm in the middle of watching Discovery season three. The one Hulu show that I thought was Peacock, but it, it was on Hulu was season three or season two of Timeless. Now I watched Timeless when it was on NBC and it kind of ended with a cliffhanger and then it was renewed on Hulu. And I'm like, ah, I'm never going to watch that because I'm never going to have Hulu. Well, my daughter got Hulu and she shared the login with me. So all of a sudden I had Hulu and time to watch it. So I'm like, okay, I just want to bring this series to closure. I'm glad I did. It's still not like, it's not a much must watch. So if you've never seen Thomas before, don't watch it. it. There's much better shows out there available. One thing that I watched, which I bought from 2014 on prime i had to buy this series so i don't know if it fits in here it might be a gray area was cosmos a space-time odyssey this is the one with neil degrasse tyson in 2014 there was a newer version that just came out or a, a second season that came out about habitable planets but if you've never seen cosmos a space-time odyssey I would recommend the 2014 version rather than the 80s version with carl sagan even though i love carl sagan uh, there's a lot of new science that happened in the 30 years since. So if you haven't seen it, I would recommend doing it. And I would recommend sitting down and watching it in the biggest home theater system that you have available because it's just going to knock your socks off. It's amazing. And if you're interested in this show right here, the guineageek.com show and the stuff that we talk about, you're going to be interested in that. Original version of that's where the billions of billions comes from, right? That's right. Carl okay. Sagan, okay. billions. Yeah. And, okay. and Neil deGrasse Tyson does his best a couple of times to mimic it. But no, I don't <laughs> think anybody can really mimic Carl Sagan's billions. Uh, I did watch The Lower Decks on CBS All Access. Glad I did since I had it. Uh, I'm in the process of watching Mandalorian season two. I think it's a good series. I think there's some issues with it. And I think years from now, people are going to take a look back at it and go, eh. but it'll really depend on some of these other series that are out with uh, Disney plus right now. So I can't make a definitive, uh, ranking on it or a statement on it or whatever. I did watch because somebody asked me to, I watched this Hillary Swank series on Netflix called away. It's if you remember the defying gravity show that used to be on ABC about 15 years ago, it's basically Grey's Anatomy in space, right? So away is the same thing. And it was canceled after one season. I can completely see why. But Hillary Swank at the end is on Mars and there's no inference that she got back. Well, catch this, guys. There's some news of this past week that Anna Kendrick was cast in a Netflix series called Stowaway, in which they are trying to get to Mars. So I think the whole Netflix universe here is going to come together. And Anna Kendrick was sent to Mars to save Hillary Swank and bring her back. I think it's the whole Martian thing, except for women. You have just cracked the code, SP. <laughs> cracked it <laughs> wide open. So I'd be interested in seeing this Anna Kendrick stowaway thing. I think it's more of a stowaway mystery than uh, a Mars thing. I think it's in the future, like the expanse where solar system travel is, is there. I've also been watching the clone wars on Disney plus. This is my first time through. 
predominantly because of the Mandalorian. I wanted to get some of that backstory. Now, I've seen the Rebels, which is another Dave Filoni based thing. And there's, yes, I will say after three seasons of watching the Clone Wars, if you have not seen the Clone Wars and you are watching and like the Mandalorian, you probably should go back and watch the Clone Wars. There's seven seasons of it now. You probably should go back and watch Rebels. And there's, uh, I think, two series, two seasons of that, of, of Rebels, because there's just so much Three connectivity. Yeah, there's so much connectivity yeah. between them that I think in the future, as this Star Wars universe uh, evolves on Disney+, Plus, you're going to need that background in order to get the full context of what's going on. Well, and on that note, and maybe Chris, you know for sure, both Clone Actually, sorry. Now I'm trying to think. I mixed up which which Star Wars cartoon series is it that there are extra Disney Plus new new uh, seasons on? Clone Wars. They did a final season on uh, Disney Plus. That's the uh, seventh season. It's been over. Yes, yeah, okay. seventh season. Rebels was not though. There wasn't anything. No, extra. Rebels wrapped oh. on Disney XD. I believe it was. Okay, gotcha. Just to run down some of the series that I'm planning to watch that are already there that I just haven't already. The Expanse, as a matter of fact, uh, tomorrow as we're recording it, the next season drops, and I can't wait to see all that stuff. The right stuff, as I talked about before on Disney+, Plus. looking forward to that. Another Life, if you like Katie Sackhoff, you're going to want to watch it. And there's a season two that I think has dropped already that I, I need to watch. Lost in Space, I saw season one. I enjoyed it. I know it's canceled, but I need to see season two there. Stranger Things, I think I've seen season one and two, and I need to go and see season three, and I believe now four. Uh, Jack Ryan, I watched a couple of episodes, really enjoyed it. Just because of the time frame involved, I, I wasn't able to complete watching the first season, and I want to see everything there over on Prime. Altered Carbon, I've seen season one. I really enjoy it. I want to see season two. Aeronauts on Prime, not seen it and want to. Here's one. This is one of the gray areas I was talking about at the beginning of the segment. Mad About You. Remember that 80s, uh, 90s, maybe? 90s, I think. Sitcom out there. uh, Mad About You. Well, Spectrum slash Comcast put in a series that only they have available. And I just want to see it because I enjoyed the series when the sitcom when it was out there. So not a streaming service, but only available streaming on Spectrum slash Time Warner or whatever it is out there. We'll we'll Uh, call it streaming content. Why not? Okay. (laughs) Stargate Origins. Never seen it. But just because there's talk about new Stargate content out there, I just want to get caught up on everything in there. I know it wasn't great, but I want to see that Grand Tour. I talked about that before. Uh, Just different things that were talked about today that I put on the list of of things to watch and more and more man in the high castle. I need to finish that series. So yeah, there's a lot of series out there. If you are just really craving something good TV to watch, there's a lot available on streaming. And um, also one thing I'm surprised that I didn't get through more stuff this year because of all the stay at home owners and everything. But I was watching old VHS tapes. Yes, I said that. VHS tapes that I've had for a long time. I've been watching them for one last time, and I've been throwing them away. <gasps> so that is part. And I've, I've come up with some really golden ones. I've shared a couple of them with you guys. Matter of fact, there was a really early Tom Brady interview that I sent yeah, to Stephen. <laughs> that, that he just, it, it, you've kept it on your hard drive, right? And yeah. then you watch it every other day, right? Of course I do. You know, cry and think about the good times. <laughs> yeah. So 
there, yeah, there was that. There was uh, some star, like the first time Star Wars: uh, The Empire Strikes Back was on Fox. It wasn't the first time it was on TV, but it was on Fox. Was there, and there was a R two D two and a C three PO intro to that that I have never seen anywhere else. And I ran into that, so it was just a lot of fun watching that sort of stuff. So in between that and the streaming content, I, I didn't get through as much streaming content as I want. But that just means that 2021 is going to be all that more, much more special, especially since I, I think I've been decoupled from watching network TV now. Well, if you are interested in any of this, I will take the list. I'll put it on gunnageek.com because we want you to go and check out some of this stuff. There's a lot of overlap that we had. And a lot that we did not overlap on. And so I think that we've helped build each other a list as well. And right. I thank, thank you both for that. There's a lot of really great content. Um, so let us know what you are watching in our Discord server. It's gonnageek.com slash Discord. We'd love to have you over there. And as we wrap it up, I guess for one last time of 2020, I will turn it over to you guys to plug and promote and do whatever else you would like to. And please take a moment to let everybody know how your uh, other podcasts are shaping up for the rest of the schedule over the holiday. If you're going to be recording, if you're going to take any breaks, Chris Farrell, start first. I don't know what the schedule is for my other show right now. We're still ironing that out. So uh, keep an eye on Twitter for updates on that. My guess is we'll probably take at least one week off. My guess. Uh, no Christmas exclusive where you guys are going to get up Christmas morning and do a stream? Uh-huh, no. <laughs> Christmas is not really a big deal this year since I can't travel to see family. It's uh, just we'll get up and do what we would normally do on, I think, a Friday this year. And do an all things good nerdy live stream. I mean, if the people want it, if I get 10 people tell me on Twitter that they want it, I'll think about it. About <laughs> I like I like you're out there. I'll think about it. <laughs> I'm leaving myself an out. <laughs> uh, also, SBU. Well, over on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., we're wrapping up the Daredevil Season 3, and it, the timing is perfect because we're going to wrap that up, and then we're going to go right into WandaVision. And then in between the many... Marvel series that Disney Plus already had planned, but are now being thrown on there. We're going to be finishing up the last two series over on Netflix, and that would be The Punisher, I believe it's season two, and then Jessica Jones season three, and that will end the Defenders universe for us. But we still have all this great content that's coming out on Disney Plus with WandaVision, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And, and all the other stuff, plus the movies that are going to start to come out with Black Widow. So Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is going to continue on its way in 2021. Uh, as far as the holiday schedule, we're not going to actually record any new podcasts, but because we've recorded and I haven't released a couple, there will not be a stop in coverage. We'll continue to release those throughout the holidays as we gear up or WandaVision, so that's pretty cool. And then, Stephen, you and I have quite a few better podcastings to record in the next couple of days, but that means that we won't have any dropping content there as well. Yeah, check out all of that at gunnageek.com. Lots of really good content there. And also, I heard that Chris is starting his new YouTube TV series exclusively available there, which is a talking Star Wars Gallery. It's going to be a Star Wars Gallery after show. Lots of guest interviews. 
Oh, cool. Is that in addition <laughs> okay. to his all thing goods, all things good and Google podcast that he started? Oh, I forgot about that one too. Yeah. yeah. Who, who's lining up my guests for it? Because I'll do it if I don't have to do any work besides hosting it. <laughs> all right. Well, guys, it's been a fun year. Uh, had a good 2020 with you guys. And we hope that everybody comes and checks out the next year's episodes. And um, we're going to have a lot of fun in 2021, I'm sure as well. And hopefully get some more guests back. I know we kind of fell off the wagon a little bit there, but have some good guests that we'd like to have on again. And uh, so please thank you. Uh, please check out the 2021 content. And thanks to everybody who has been a part of the Gonna Geek show over this past year. But that's going to go ahead and wrap us up. So for episode 359 of the official GunnaGeek.com show, I'm Stephen John Drew saying thank you to everybody. And happy holidays. Happy holidays, everybody. And we'll see you in 2021. Bye. And I'm Chris saying enjoy your holiday adventures. Bye. Thanks for checking out another episode of the official gunageek.com show. If you like the show, please give us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts or a thumbs up on YouTube. You can always join us for our live recording sessions, which stream Mondays at 8.45 p.m. Eastern at www.geeks.live. And remember, you can find our full back catalog at gunageek.com forward slash show. If you're itching for more geeky content, check out other shows on gunageeknetwork.com. Voice work was by Emily Prokop of the Story Behind podcast. That's it for this episode. We hope to see you back again next week.